Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report Podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, while it is not the nicest day out today, yesterday was absolutely stunning, and I think we're going to have um, some good weather the rest of the week. It seems like we finally, even though we have about a week until sections, I think spring has finally kind of arrived here. Yeah, I saw 92 tomorrow and almost fell off my chair. I uh, I haven't seen 92 since, I think, August. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, definitely nice to have some ni- weather back and nice weather coming. Um, hopefully all the I know we're supposed to get some storms today, but hopefully the storms kind of stay off for the rest of the week so we can get some nice games in. And I know a lot of teams are making up some games over the next few weeks before postseason hits. So hopefully we can get some dry weather for the next couple of weeks as we get ready for sections. Yeah, and we've had some good weather the last couple days to get in some events. We've been out um, at quite a few track and field meets. We'll talk about that quite a bit at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I also saw some lacrosse on Monday. Um, and there was some baseball last week, too, that Brian got out to. So we'll touch on a bit of those, kind of hit um, all the high points of some of the other sports, too, what to watch for um, and who some of the top performers were in the last week, and even look a- ahead a little bit to um, some pretty big college events coming up this weekend. But I want to start with track and field because, like I said, we were out at three meets in the last week since we last podcasted. Um, we wrote three feature stories on some different athletes, two over that time, a lot of interesting stories that finally – You know, teams were all competing um, on schedule. We were able to get out, talk to some of these um, athletes and coaches, too. So um, I think we'll start with the Mega Meet, where you were on Saturday since, I mean, it's called the Mega Meet for a reason. So that's... Mega Meet. So exactly. So you got to start with that. And um, that was on Saturday at Sock Rapids Rice Middle School. Um, You were out there. That was the first time you'd got to uh, cover that event of, you know, a lot of teams from around central Minnesota. Um, and some pretty pretty big performances. Um, what was kind of your focus going into that day, and you know what really stood out to you um, as you were kind of looking for what to write about? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to that that particular meet, there was a lot of local teams that competed. I mean, you had teams like Albany Cathedral, um, Sock Rapids. You had, I mean, you had plenty of different people that were kind of competing in, in the local area, and so. You kind of were. I was kind of looking for maybe an angle of something that hasn't been done before. Um, and honestly, there was a lot of really good performances. Um, I mean, besides the the main person that I wrote about, Hope Schuler, um, you had Apollo, Sock Rapids, Albany, and Cathedral. Um, you had different relay teams that did well um, that took either first place or second place. Noelle Hackenmuller from Apollo, she got um, first in a, a handful of different events um, with just her performances. Um, then you had Cathedral, um, guys like Turner Schaud, um, Henry Ebel, um, Jacob Eikhoff, um, Andrew Carls from Apollo, Carter Loesch from Sock Rapids, 
um, Olivia Gable, as well as um, Grant Mayers from Albany. Some of the kind of more profile-type athletes that you, you kind of knew were going to be coming into this thinking that they were going to be maybe getting that first-place spot um, and were able to kind of execute that. But my attention kind of focused more on Hope Schuler. Um, she's been having a really good season so far this season. Um, she's only a junior, and I think the thing that kind of caught both your eye and my eye was just her performance that she had at um, the Hamlin Elite Meet a few weeks ago. And so it kind of drew me in a little bit, and so I wanted to kind of learn more about her story and how she became a track and field athlete. And so it sounds like she's kind of born into the sport of track. Her mom did track. Her dad did track. They both were um, competed at state in Minnesota. Um, and so it kind of was just like something that she just was born to do, I guess. <laughs> um, and so she started doing it, and she didn't really take it seriously right away. It was just more of like staying healthy, that type of thing. And then she joined the track team in um, the elite or the cathedral varsity track team um, as a seventh grader. And she kind of had a wide opening experience just competing against seniors and juniors and different athletes that were way, way above her skill level. Um, in eighth grade, she started kind of taking it more seriously. And then unfortunately in ninth grade, COVID hit and she thought she was going to, you know, kind of improve on her numbers couldn't really compete a whole lot because of the pandemic. And so then she had to kind of um, focus her attention on just kind of working on her skills. So then when sophomore year hit and junior year hit, she kind of found a new type of way of getting ready and like preparing for these different races. She doesn't really focus on it as a whole. She focuses on small little details that get her to that spot. And so whether that's, you know, helping her off the block, you know, because obviously as a sprinter, you only get 10 to 13, 15 seconds that you really get to shine. And so if you mess up any of those seconds, it will cost you the race. And so for her, she kind of had to make sure she could execute everything. And so she kind of took things one at a time, and now she's been phenomenal. I mean, she finished she finished the Hamlin Elite Race um, at her meet with a 12.7-second run in the uh, 100 dash. And honestly, she wasn't even supposed to be there. She was kind of a replacement, um, and a couple of the girls couldn't compete. They, It's like the top 18 that get to go there, and she was number 20. And so they called her and said, hey, do you want to run? And she kind of was expecting to be last because that's what it said it was, and she ended up being 13th overall, and I think it kind of helped her boost her momentum. On Saturday, she didn't run as well just because of the wind. Um, the wind was coming right at you when you were running down the track, and so – um, she finished a little bit over, um, like, I think it was 13, 13.64 or 13.62. Um, and so, I mean, that's, it was kind of, that, that's, that's kind of a typical run when it comes to the wind, but yeah, it was a really fun story to kind of learn about. She doesn't really have any, um, you know, getting ready and like different rituals that she does before the races. Um, she doesn't really kind of believe in that. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, it was just fun to watch her kind of compete. And then, you know, obviously she's hoping to get to the state meet. She wasn't able to get there last year. And so um, hopefully she can get there this year with a handful of her teammates as well. Yeah, and she was only, you know, fractions of a tenth of a second off in the 100 and the 200 last year, I remember, at sections. So, yeah, her being able to um, 
get back there is, I think, a pretty, you know, kind of an expectation of hers at this point. She also yesterday, when I was at um, the Recori meet, the true team section meet, she ran a 12.65, so she even dropped that time even more one against, a, you know, 12, 13 other schools, a lot, basically almost all of them bigger than Cathedral too. So, um, you know, she's really well prepared, especially with them being in class A this year um, to, to do extremely well. I think there was only maybe three or four runners in class A that finished above her at the elite meet that were also there. So, um, you know, she has a really good chance to, to finish really strongly to the year um, in multiple sprint events because, you know, she's really good at the 100 and the 200. So, it was, you know, good to see her yesterday. Um, when I was out at that meet yesterday, <clears throat> I mostly went to to focus on um, Cece Woods from Mercury. She's a junior hurdler um, and has been putting in insane times this year. And um, she actually at um, the elite meet too, she competed there and she set the school record uh, just, you know, a little over a week ago there in the hundred hurdles. Um, and that record had stood for, I think it was 37 years. So um, she's on a tear there. And that was also just, you know, one of the first times she'd gotten to go other than at that state meet last year when she finished, you know, um, on the podium, she hasn't really got to face that level of competition before. So that as with hope, it seems like that kind of breeds those good results always that you see when you face that top competition. And now that she has that hundred meter record and she, you know, she won by a cup, you know, over a second yesterday and she set the record even with no one around her. She lowered her own school record down to, I think it was, uh, 1273 from 1279 so just continues to take you know half a tenth of a second whatever those little margins to to try to get to a, a really good finish at state but now that she has that 100 meter record she's looking to set um that 300 meter record and that's kind of where um my story revolved around because she's trying to break the record of her own hurdles coach right now um Aaron Hulls who I know you wrote about a mm-hmm. couple years ago during COVID with her career at the University of Minnesota and then she also raced at um, Oklahoma for a year after that and now she's back helping um, with the hurdlers and you know she's hoping that CC can break a record and Aaron raced with some of CC's older sisters too they were on the same track team so you know she always watched Aaron growing up too that kind of got her interested in track so it's just a really fun story um, that I'd encourage you to check out at sctimes.com since uh, she's doing incredible things she's grown a lot she has a lot more confidence after last year too and it's really showing because she just is blowing away these records. She's improving. Um, last year, too, she had a lot of kind of shin problems, knee problems. Um, so she wasn't able to train like she wanted. And especially in the 300-meter hurdles, that hurt her. She had a couple falls in races and um, just wasn't able to be at the standard she hoped. And this year, she's been winning basically every event she does. She's raced the 200, the 400, the 100, too. She's won almost every time in those, along with her really incredible performances, Um on the hurdles too. And, you know, she just continues to get help from her coach, Aaron, also Dave uh, Rarick, their coach. He actually holds the 300 hurdles record from the eighties at Recori. And he's one of their coaches too. And he's done a lot with her technique and um, it's just kind of all come together to, to improve some really crazy things. And the the cool part too, is like hope is a junior CC is still a junior. I mean, they're doing all these things with still, you know, a whole nother year of track and it's just been cool to see um these kind of standout performances to start the year definitely and i know for me when i was at state last year i got the i I was able to talk to cc a little bit about her performances and at that time she was just ecstatic that she was there i mean as a sophomore i think that's kind of just something that you don't really think about and now that she's gotten there and she knows kind of what that competition is like i think it just fuels the fire as she gets ready for this year and Obviously, you can see it early on in the season with 
what she's been able to accomplish and obviously still has plenty of meets to go um, before that state meet. But um, I think that's something that we could definitely see and, and an improvement from her results from state last year, um, most definitely. But I know for you, you were able to go see another track meet, um, lots of track meets. I know, this year. common theme. When it's nice out, that's it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'll go to track. Now when it's 30 and rainy, or then it's not as exciting, but yeah. So um, I know last Thursday you were able to head out to um, Sartell for their track meet, and uh, you were able to do a story on Logan Clark. Um, kind of an, if you don't, haven't had a chance to read it yet, um, I would highly encourage it when you get over to sctimes.com. Um, while you're there, make sure to hit the subscription button right now. We have a deal for $1 for six months. So, um, a really good deal for people to be able to read more about all the athletes around the area. But Logan Clark, um, kind of, kind of a funny headline. Um, you know, how 0.03 seconds, um, and a pair of goggles can lead us Sartell senior to the state track meet. I, I think that's kind of an interesting, um, headline. So maybe just talk more about kind of what you learned from Logan Clark as well as what you learned from that track meet. Yeah, I was pretty proud of, of that headline, actually. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, he, Logan's been putting up some really impressive times to start the year, especially in the um, another hurdler as we talk about a lot, you know, sprinters and hurdlers a lot today. But, um, you know, he's been having some really good times in the 110-meter hurdles. Um, I think he was about fifth all-time um through his first races he might have even moved up that list I know he dropped that time a little at uh, true team sections yesterday I'll have to look but he you know he lost that first race of the season against um, a sprinter uh, a hurdler from Bemidji Jacob Kelly who was finished well at state last year and you know he lost by only 0.03 seconds and he said a big part of it was that when he runs he in the past he's always uh, wore just glasses when he hurdles and you know, in basketball for a long time, he's always wore goggles when we've seen him the last couple of years in varsity. And I know that for basketball, he's done that since, you know, an early age. But in track, he's still always just worn his glasses. Well, he said they were kind of bouncing around a lot and it was annoying. It bothered him. And, you know, that was enough to, to lose the race. So that kind of woke him up. He's like the next day, he said he came to practice and he had the goggles on. He's like, coach, you know, I'm I'm going to do whatever it takes. If this is what it takes to take off the couple, you know, hundredths of a second, then then so be it. And then it, it was funny enough that when I got to see him racing at um, Sartell last week, they were against Bemidji. It was only against Bemidji in Wilmer. So it was a pretty small track meet and he was against Jacob Kelly again. And this time he beat him by um, half a second in this race. And he had um, the goggles worked. The goggles worked. Exactly. <laughs> it like magic. But so he was able to, um, you know, he ran a career best time of 15, three in that one um, and lowered it even from, from earlier in the year. So, um, it was just a small improvement, but they're in an event like the hurdles, like you talked about at the beginning, you're doing an event that's only 15 seconds, every millisecond counts. So um, he's been having a really good start to the year, won a lot of races. He's been doing really good in the 300 meter hurdles too. Um, and then yesterday, I think he took second at true team sections at a, a really big meet um, with, you know, the biggest teams kind of north of the Metro, basically with them being in class 3A now. So um, I know he's really focused on, trying to get to state he you know didn't make it last year but with his times he's doing um he's definitely on pace to be able to do it and right now you know funny enough he was also someone that was at the elite meet that seems to be the theme <laughs> all these people that compete at the elite meet kind of seen them at local meets but you know he did he did really well there too and or um 
actually, sorry, he didn't compete there. He qualified for it. Sorry, I forgot that he he qualified and he had the decision, do I go to the elite meet and just run one event or do I go to um, the Cambridge Isanti meet and I can do four events? Mm-hmm. And he chose to do Cambridge because he wanted to be with his teammates, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. Um, to hear from his hurdles coach um, because, you know, he also – He's committed to Concordia Moorhead to do track next year. And while he might do hurdles, he also possibly um, wants to do the decathlon. So he's trying to get oh, cool. a lot of experience in all these other events. So he's doing, you know, he's been high jumping. He's pole vaulted a couple of times. He's done the 400. Um, you know, he's, he's trying all these different events and he thinks that'll be kind of um, just set him up better for uh, college. But right now he's also focused on the hurdles. That's kind of his main event where he thinks he could make it to state. So while, you know, he didn't get that big meat experience down at Hamlin, he still has been um, racing some good competition, you know, racing someone like this Bemidji hurdler helps, you know, someone you'll, you might see at state or in sections. Um, so he's getting some good experience. Yesterday was a good meet too. So yeah, he's been really impressing and, you know, maybe the goggles will be what makes the difference. We'll see. Well, it's funny that you, that you, that we're talking about this because I know when the season started, we kind of did a preview and a lot of what we talked about was long distance running. I mean, you had Olivia Gable, you had, you know, Grant Mayers, you had, you know, the Jameson sisters from, from Cathedral. I mean, you had all of these long distance, you know, 800, 1600, um, you know, 3200 type of races that you're like, oh, yeah, we're gonna, they're going to dominate. Which and they still they have. Still have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the funny part is, is that it's like, it's just, it's funny how, like, all of it has changed into the short distance and the sprinters. Um, and now it's kind of a nice balance because I know, you know, as we get done with the cross country season, a lot of those cross country runners run the long distance type of races in track and field. And so you're kind of like, oh yeah, no, they're going to be good. Like no worries. Mm-hmm. But now you have so many short distance and sprinters that it makes it more enjoyable because, you know, there's things every single race that someone could win that race in the local area compared to maybe a couple of years ago when maybe that wasn't as much of an idea idea compared to today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's especially because those long-distance events, a lot of these top runners have been placing that high since they were 8th, ninth grade. Some of these, I mean, we have some really good relay teams too, like yeah. girls 4 by 8 girls 4 by 2 for Recoria. I saw both of them yesterday. They won pretty handily, and um, Cathedral's got their boys' relay team's probably going to be one at state. But, yeah, you've, you've seen a lot of these names for a lot of years. But sprinting, especially in some of these hurdles events, it seems like it's usually more around your junior, senior year that you really hit your stride and can start competing at the top of the game. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. We've seen throughout, you know, also the field events, especially one team I haven't got to see yet that um, I'm hoping the next week or two to see is Tech, who for boys' field events, I know when we've been going through the results, it's, you know, long jump, triple jump, high jump throws everything yeah they're dominating in too so um yeah and with it going to three classes this year for state um i mean there's going to be a ton of names last year there was you know we kind of had a handful we could kind of just focus on i feel like it's gonna be a lot more running around this year because um there's been a lot of good uh results which which is always fun you want to see that yeah well, I'll be I'll be out in Portland, so good luck to you. And uh, yes, it'll in, be in that track and field. It'll be a full three days, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what we're here for. But I, you know, we we've talked a lot about track. One other thing I got to see at least this week um, on Monday was uh, lacrosse, which first time I've got to watch lacrosse this year. I know you saw St. Cloud and Ricori play a doubleheader earlier in the year, so um, I got to see the Storming Sabers for Sartell Sock Rapids and. 
Um, kind of a weird start even before the game since I tried to leave my house about 15 minutes before the game and started hailing and uh, just torrential downpour and all of this. So I like got about a block away, pulled back in my garage. It's like, I'm going to wait about five, 10 minutes to leave. <laughs> um, and I did. And when I got to Sartell, um, it hadn't hailed there. I think it had rained, but they started the game like two minutes after it was scheduled, which I thought it was going to be delayed or postponed or something. They're like, no, we're playing. And it was like dry there, which I, I live like a couple miles from the high school. Yeah. No idea how that worked out, but <laughs> we, they still had a game. It ended up being pretty um, awesome weather for it, and it ended up being a really fun game because Sartell Sock Rapids, they started the year 5-0 and and then um, lost pretty handily to two section opponents that are good teams, um, and it was going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from that, kind of how they could respond. Um, and at first, it, it, it wasn't great, to be quite frank. They were It was 1-1 to through the first quarter against Brainerd, um, who's a team that Sartell beat by double digits earlier in the year, um, has never lost two as a program. And then all of a sudden, Brainerd goes on this run beginning in the second quarter, and all of a sudden they're down 5-2. to two. Um, And Jake Saylor calls a timeout and talks to the Storm and Sam. He's like, okay, we and they just kind of take a breath, you know, take a beat, um, play our lacrosse. We're kind of playing into what they want to do. Um, and, like, within three minutes, the game was tied again. And uh, Sartell Sock Rapids kind of rolled from there. Um, they ended up winning 12 to 10, so it still was a close game, but um, they ended, I think it was the half on a 5-0 scoring run. They didn't allow a goal the rest of the half, too. Um, so they really woke up on both ends. Aiden Hilger, you know, incredible as always. I think last time they played Brainerd, he had eight goals. This time he had six goals only, you know. Wow, man. I know, it's kind of a rough day, but, you know, they're just, they seem like they've kind of really dialed in who they are as a team. You know, he, Aiden said, too, that last year he felt they were playing kind of um, individual more playing for their own stats this year they're playing much better as a team and you know when especially when other teams are you know double teaming him focusing a lot more it allows other players to be successful like John Claypool is a player that's really stepped up even more than last year when he had a good year and already has I think 20 plus goals Aiden's averaging like four plus goals a game which no. is an insane you know last year he only averaged about 2.9 and we thought that was crazy well, this and their year. goalie's been pretty phenomenal too he has so. yes so you know they've they have a lot of nice pieces um they're gonna be playing st cloud again tomorrow night actually on thursday which i'm sure will be a great game that's always a fun rivalry that um goes back and forth always almost a close result and but you know storm and sabers early this year they actually kind of blew out st cloud that's the first time they've done that um since one of the first years of the program when they started. So um, good to see them, that, you know, being the first time I got to, to see them play. Um, you know, they have a couple big big games coming up for just that section standing, seeing where they sit. But, um, you know, it seems they're already up to six wins, and that's, I think, I think their first year they had more wins than that. Other than that, they've never had more than six wins in a, a season. So, you know, a good start for them, and we'll see if they can kind of keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, I know it's tough because, you know, they started off 5-0, and and I think they those were kind of opponents that you and I both kind of said that we expect them to at least compete and mm-hmm. probably win. Yep. Um, getting ready for this week or this past week, you had some tough opponents. I mean, St. Michael Albertville, obviously a much, much bigger school, um, a little bit more attention on the lacrosse sport. I know it's kind of growing in St. Cloud, but, you know, St. Michael Albertville, it's been something that's been there for a long time. Um and then you have Moorhead, who's also a very dominant opponent as well. And so, yeah, and they're they're you know they're even newer, but they've come out of nowhere. They've yeah. just been incredible. They've really stepped up quickly yeah, too. So so I mean, you kind of knew that these two games were going to be kind of eye openers in the sense of just to see where you're at. Obviously, a tough a tough game against St. Michael Albertville. Um, 
you know, keeping Moorhead under 10 goals is, I think, probably a big goal, even though it was a loss. I'm sure it was a nice nice goal, especially after losing by, I think, like 15 against St. Michael Albertville. Um, but the nice part is is that you still have plenty of games left to play in the regular season. Um, and then, you know, you'll see these teams once again when the section tournament hits. And, you know, who knows what might happen when that time comes. It's just it's nice to be able to play those types of games early on just to kind of see where you stand against these top-end opponents that continue to win every single season um, in your section. Yeah, so we'll kind of see as that goes. Um, they still have a couple more weeks of, of regular season games. Um, and in kind of later podcasts, we'll fill you in more on how some of the other local teams are doing as we get closer to the postseason. But I think that'll kind of wrap up the first half of the podcast here. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about um, Sock Rapids baseball, their kind of recent run, and you've been able to see them play Sartell last week. Uh, we'll touch on some softball scores um, and any other kind of news and notes we think are worthy. But um, that's about it until then. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. We're going to talk about a couple more high school sports here in the second half of the podcast. I know last week, Brian, you got to see Sock Rapids play against Sartell, get a pretty big victory, and it seems like that's kind of sparked them. They've really been on a roll the last couple days. Yeah, no, it's. I know for them, they were excited to play Sartell, kind of a fun little rivalry that they have there um, between basically any sport that they play against each other. Um, but yeah, so Sock Rapids kind of coming into it, they had played a lot of close games. Some of them they've come out on top, and some of them they've also lost. So um, coming in, they kind of were like, you know, it'd be nice to just have kind of a playoff atmosphere, and it felt like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, you had the fans that were cheering, you had all this other stuff. So it was kind of fun to just see that type of environment um, early on in the season. Sock Rapids was able to get the 6-3 to three win over um, Sartell, um, Andrew Bemboom, he finished three for three with a run in an RBI. Um, but the guy that was kind of the main guy was Colin, Colin Posh. Um, he was their starter. He finished with five innings pitched, six hits, two earned, five Ks. Um, a really good outing for him. And this is his first season as a varsity um, pitcher. And honestly, he's been having some really good outings lately. And so um, I think the one thing that was nice to see is they played a lot of fundamental baseball, whether that was a sacrifice bunt to move guys into scoring position. Um, they had a really nice relay from right field that they um, got a guy out at, at home plate. Um, and so it's just those little things that you'd think are kind of meaningless in baseball worked. <laughs> it worked to their advantage. And so, um, so it was nice to kind of see all of that. And Sartell has been kind of struggling a little bit this season. Um, they've had a few highlights here and there. Cade Lewis has been doing really well at the plate. Wesley Johnson has been phenomenal on the pitching mound um, for the Sabres. But they've been kind of winning and losing different games um, and probably games that they should have won. They sh they haven't won. Um, but now they're kind of starting to roll a little bit. So both Sock Rapids and S um, Sartell have been kind of on a roll lately. 
Um, Sartell did lose 9-8 to eight to Moorhead on Friday. Cade Lewis went 3-4 for four with two RBIs and a home run, while Jacob Muriel went 4-5 for five with three runs. Um, but then they just earned a win last night against Brainerd, um, 12 to nothing. Cade Lewis had four RBIs and a home run. Wesley Johnson pitched five shutout innings with um, four Ks and one hit, so some pretty good numbers from him. But Sock Rapids has been rolling. I mean, they they beat Ricori 14 to one on Saturday. Um, Noah Jensen and Andrew Benboom had two RBIs each. Owen Arndt pitched five innings, um, zero runs, one hit, four Ks. So some really good, um, a really good outing for him. And then um, they also just went out and beat Alexandria, who's probably one of the best teams in the Central Lakes um, area or Central Lakes Conference. Um, they won 5 nothing against Alexandria. Um, Luke Pakla, um, he finished with two, RBI, two RBIs. Terrence Moody went three for four. And then Alex Heron, or Alex Haran, um, he finished with seven innings, three hits, zero runs, and 11 Ks. So a really good outing by him. Um, I think that's kind of what they're hoping for is that, you know, these pitchers start kind of getting in a groove, which they already have been getting in a groove. And now they're starting to get some, getting some bats um, going, and that's the one thing that they've been struggling early on was, you know, not really getting hits um, and not being able to execute when runners are in scoring position and such. And so over the last week, um, they got ten hits against Sartell, and they've been just kind of rolling ever since then, and it's been working to their advantage. Yeah, those are three really quality starts um, consecutively for the Storm there. When you get that kind of starting pitching, you know, it's it's going to be tough to lose, especially, like you said, when the bats do start getting going. Um, a couple other baseball scores will hit is um, Albany got a sweep 12 to nothing and 14 uh, to 1 over Malacca, a really couple good days for them. Um, and then um, last week as well, they were able to win 3 to 2 over New London Spicer. So even though they had kind of a slow start to the year, they're definitely kind of proving their worth as you know, a top 10 team like they were ranked to start the year. They've been on a nice winning run for them. Um, and then last night, too, um, a local matchup. Ricori was able to beat St. Cloud 7-5. Um, Brady Blattner, it seems like when he's on the mound, Ricori's a very tough team to beat. Um, he pitched seven innings, gave up only two earned runs, and had seven strikeouts, and also was two for four at the plate with three RBIs. So he was able to kind of push them over the edge. Um, the Spartans, who kind of, as some of these other teams, they've had some big highs, some big lows so far, but still kind of finding um, their footing as we get through the regular season. Yeah, St. Cloud has played a lot of games this past week, and they hosted a tournament at uh, the MAC over the last weekend and played some tough teams. I mean, they played Maple Grove, lost 12 to nothing. Um, they also beat Little Falls 4-1. to one. Um, Truman Tonjes, um, he finished with seven innings, zero earned runs, and seven Ks, so a really good performance by him. Um, and then they just lost 9-8 to to Owatonna on Friday night um, to start off that weekend. Um, but just some really good performances overall, and I think it's just kind of showing, I mean, what the what this season can do. There's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, and ultimately it's kind of whenever if you can produce at the end of the season. And, um, you know, Sock Rapids is definitely on a roll right now, or Corey's lost a couple games, but now they just got that win, so who knows what they could be maybe be doing. Um, and then same with St. Cloud, and, I mean, Albany is on fire right now. I mean, Albany's scoring runs left and right. So um, be interested to see kind of what these next couple of weeks have in store before 
section starts up. Um, I'm planning on trying to write a little recap of mid-season for baseball and softball over the next couple of days um, just to kind of give viewers a little bit of what has happened over the last you know few weeks before we get into the heat of section tournaments and such. Yeah, and you know, you talked about teams that are on fire for softball. Cathedral can not be stopped right now. Um, they had a tournament in uh, North Mankato over the weekend, three wins there, and then also last night a 16 to nothing uh, conference win over Malacca, where Catherine Bell went four for four with five RBIs, also hit a three-run home run to end the game, and you know those were some big wins too. Down in Mankato, they won 12 to nothing over uh, New Richland HEG. Um, they also got win, a big win over Hayfield, three to two, um, where Ella Voigt, she struck out seven of the last nine batters while she pitched three innings, gave up no hits during that stretch. To kind no of, big deal. No, not for her from what it, from how this season's been going. My goodness. Um, and then they were also able um, to get a win last week, another conference win, I believe, um, nine to three over Piers, which was a huge game because Piers was kind of the number one team in the section going into that one. So Cathedral setting themselves up really nicely for, you know, high postseason ranking, trying to make a run at state. Um, and they've been getting production from a lot of different places and the pitching's been rock solid. You can't really ask for much more earlier in the year. No, I mean, they're, they're pretty much the, the hot team right now in the central Minnesota area. Um, Sartell, they got a couple losses and doubleheader against Brainerd last, last night, but they were able to get a sweep in a doubleheader on Thursday against Wilmer with a 16 to one and a 10 to nothing win. Um, Albany's also been kind of doing well. They beat Malacca 13 to one last week. Um, and then they beat Melrose 13 to four on Friday night. Um, they also came back and won 12 to two against Alexandra yesterday, but lost nine to seven against Piers. Um, the other team that, um, we can kind of recognize is, um, Sock Rapids Rice, they got their first win of the season on Saturday. Um, I know it was a big win for them, getting that 3-2 to two win against Marshall. Um, Campbell Arndt pitched seven innings, nine hits, zero, zero walks, two runs, and 11 Ks. And then the big game um, between kind of two local matchups was St. Cloud and Ricori on Thursday night last week. Um, St. Cloud was able to get the 3-2 to two win in extra innings. Um, in the first game, Shelby Prom finished with eight innings pitched, five hits, three runs, seven walks, and 18 strikeouts. That's right, 18. I don't know if you heard that correct. Um, and then Ricori came back and was able to win 14-3. to three. Um, Shelby Prom helped out with the bat this time, three for three with four RBIs and a home run. Um, and then Jenna Booz was pitched five innings and had four Ks. So some really good performances um, in the softball realm. Um, and they are halfway through the season as well. So um, be interested to kind of see what happens there. But I know for you, you got a couple college notes um, before we leave for the night. Yeah, you know, there's uh, – I know it feels like night now with yeah. how dark it how is, dark outside. It is outside. outside. It started yes. like it was kind of nice, you know, not a terrible morning, and now it's like, oh, it's about to get bad outside. <laughs> so, yeah, before we wrap up today, um, just a couple uh, things to look out for. A lot of the postseason stuff for college starting up, St. John's and – um, St. Cloud State baseball, they're starting their conference tournaments in the next day or two. St. Cloud State tonight on Wednesday night when we record this. Um, and then I believe St. John's um, on Thursday. They're going to be playing that at CHS Field, I think. So um, good for them to, to get that underway. Um, and then for softball, big news was that 
um, College of St. Benedict. They're going to be hosting their regional. Not only did they make the NCAA tournament, but they're hosting for the first ever time. So they will have, I'm trying to think, I think it's Wartburg, uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, and then Missouri Wesleyan. It's one other Wesleyan. There's two Wesleyans in the bracket, (laughs) but um, they're all going to be coming to St. Joseph this weekend um, where St. Ben's is going to try to get out of regionals for the first time. They made it, I think this is their fifth time in regionals. Um, they made it in 2018 and 2019, but didn't advance through. So they're seeing if that home field advantage can kind of help them. They, you know, we talked about them a couple weeks ago. They've had an incredible start to the year there. Um, they came up short in the conference tournament. They're 28 and eight overall going into these regions. So great year for them. Um, and then you also have uh, the tech colleges. Both of them are going to be playing regions um, within the next weeks uh, for softball. They won their... Um, Conference Division two, they came out on top um, that we discussed last week about how that team's been doing, and they they finished with that number one seed, so they get to host, so they'll be playing at Rivers Edge Park, um, I think Thursday and Friday, and then Regions start um, at the MAC, which is kind of always the spot where they go for for the boys' baseball, um, for men's, and they're going to be um, St. Cloud's going to be starting off on Thursday or Friday either too. So th- I mean, there's going to be at Faber and Putts, there's going to be baseball all weekend um, and at River's Edge too. So if you want to be over in that area, you'll get to see some good baseball. So yeah, tons of stuff happening, track and field, golf, all those are starting to kind of happen for conference tournaments and and national tournaments. So yeah, so just kind of keep tuned to sctimes.com and we'll kind of fill you in the area scoreboards too each day to see where things are happening because it's it's all going to kind of depend. A lot of TBDs on the schedule this time of year. Absolutely. So just to kind of wrap up the podcast, um, to let you guys know where we're going to be over the next few days, um, for me, Thursday is going to be a very long day. I'm starting my day off at 9 a.m. at St. Cloud Country Club for girls golf. Um, a lot of local teams playing there. And then in the afternoon, the boys will be kicking off at about 2 o'clock, so be going over there and covering that. After that, probably heading over to um, Sock Rapids High School for the girls softball um, between St. Cloud and Sock Rapids so be nice we haven't seen them play this season so it'd be fun to check out what they're able to do the, um, between the two local teams. Friday we'll be heading out to Albany High School for boys or for baseball um, they're going to be um, taking on Foley which will be a good matchup especially after winning a bunch of games this past week um, Foley being the number one team in class 2A um, and then after that, Saturday, I'm kind of taking most of the day off. I'll be covering Tech Prom at night. So if you see me over at Tech, um, make sure to say hi. Be happy to take some photos of you while you're doing your Grand March. But uh, as for next week, don't really know yet. Kind of looking at the schedule as we as we go along. But Zach, where will you be? Yeah, no other uh, events planned for me for the rest of this week. But next week, I know... Um, Tuesday, I'm going to for sure be at Adapted Softball for the St. Cloud Crush. They've got off to another incredible year. Last year was really strong. They didn't have a state tournament this year. Um, they're 7-0, and and they're going to be facing um, the only other undefeated team still uh, next Tuesday. So they are just <laughs> they're dominating, they're undefeated, um, and we'll see if they can stay undefeated um, after this game. But excited to see them for the first time this year. It'll be their last home game of the year two, I believe. I guess it depends how, you know, section playoffs play out and all, but trying to see them uh, once during this regular season and see if they can make a run towards another state title. It's been a couple years at this point, um, but they do have uh, two to their name, so it'll be interesting to see if they can add a third. Absolutely. 
Well, I think that kind of wraps up this podcast. Um, we're going to get away before the rain starts to hit, but uh, I guess anything else to add? No, I think that should be good. Like you said, we're going to run back to our cars and try to probably try to get home. But um, other than that, that should about wrap it up today. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Time Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.